0: Welcome to AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to have you on this edition of AFA at the Core on the American Family Radio Network. We're broadcasting across the country in over 30 states. 180 towers is what we have today across the country in over 30 states. And we added uh, just added a new station, a new tower in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee chattanooga tennessee we have a brand new tower been on the air about two weeks there in chattanooga tennessee uh good to be broadcasting in that area across uh middle tennessee and also good to be uh, broadcasting across uh the rest of the country and uh, many people ask when i'm on the road when i'm meeting people uh they say uh you know do you guys have uh, local stations like in the old days um in in cities across the country? And the answer to that is no. Uh, We actually broadcast everything from our national headquarters in Tupelo, Mississippi. So that's uh, how it works. And uh, we also uh, used to have uh, stations along with station managers across the country and then technology advanced. And then we realized that we could broadcast everything from our headquarters here in Tupelo, Mississippi. So if you're listening on your FM radio station in your local area, uh, all we have is a station there. All we have—I'm sorry—all we have is a tower there. All we have is a tower and equipment there. We don't have a physical radio station or a studio or employees in that local area. Uh, so that's how it works nowadays. Um, so that's a little background or information for you. Uh, everything you hear is coming out of Tupelo, Mississippi, at our national headquarters. Our scripture uh, for the week is Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Proverbs 3, verse 13 and 14. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. Speaking of wisdom, we got a book. Uh Full of wisdom here from our own Joseph Parker, and this book is called A Pastor's Notes, God Calls the Church to Stand Boldly for Life. That's our resource of the week here in our resource center. So if you want to find out more about this book or order it for yourself, you can go to resources.afa.net, resources.afa.net to order this book, and you can find all kinds of other resources there at our resource center, and we'll get this out to you right away. We ship this, all of our product, from our national headquarters in Tupelo, Mississippi. Um, another another informative piece I wanted to provide to you is something I touched on yesterday, but our AFA streaming platform will be out on November 1, 2021. November 1, 2021 is when our AFA streaming platform will be launched. The public will be able to create an account, and we'll be able to view content on the AFA streaming platform if you want to read a little more about that you can visit our website afa.net afa.net right there on the homepage. there's a blog uh, talking about the AFA streaming platform the title for that uh, post is transforming culture one project at a time you know I heard something during the news there that I just had to comment on uh, because uh, the way Washington works is they're they are uh, they're conniving. Washington politicians and specifically Congress, they are conniving, they're sneaky, and it's really hard to figure out what they're doing. Well, what's going on now is um, Democrats are trying to pass this massive spending bill, and this has been in place in the works for the last several months. But this is the $3.5 trillion package that Democrats are trying to pass through Congress. And they're going to do this in the name of reconciliation, which is a process within Congress. And I'm going to bore you a little bit for a few minutes with the details of how this works. But then at the end of my explanation, you'll clearly understand it, hopefully. And you'll understand how sneaky these folks are, how sneaky these politicians are in Washington, D.C. Well, How reconciliation works is, uh, back in the day, a long time ago, Congress set up rules. They set up rules for themselves about how their processes or processes in Congress work. And so the lawmakers made their own rules about how they will conduct business. Yes, there are certain things in the U.S. Constitution that guide Congress in how they pass laws how many votes are needed, or how you impeach a president. Yes, there is some of that in the Constitution, but the rest of it is pretty much left up to Congress to figure out how they're going to work, how they're going to manage, and how they're going to operate the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate. And both bodies um, can develop their own rules and procedures. Well, the whole term reconciliation is simply a fancy word for a process used to pass legislation. And uh, under the Trump administration, Republicans used reconciliation to pass a spending bill, a reconciliation bill, which gave us the Trump tax cuts. So the tax cuts under President Trump and the, uh, the elimination of the Affordable Care Act, the Obamacare individual mandate tax, That both all of that was done through reconciliation through Republicans in Congress under the Trump administration. So that gives you a little context there. Well, now the Democrats are debating their own reconciliation package. You know, they're trying to include illegal amnesty in uh, for illegal immigrants in this package. They're trying to include everything. Uh, The whole climate change hoax. They're trying to include funding for that. Uh, Everything they're trying to tie up in this uh, reconciliation package. Well, it was announced just a couple of days ago that the Senate parliamentarian, which is basically the referee in the Senate, which tells you how, what the rules are and how you can play the game in the Senate, uh, the parliamentarian came out and told the Democrats that they can't include immigration, anything regarding immigration and changing policy on immigration. They can't include that in this bill. Many Democrats, including the Biden administration, they said, we want to include amnesty, we want to include immigration stuff in this bill, that's part of our wish list, and the Senate parliamentarian told them they can't do that according to the Senate rules. But here's what's funny, and here's what's deceiving. Guess who is in charge of the Senate parliamentarian? The Senate, including the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer. So the Senate is in charge of the parliamentarian, and they're letting the parliamentarian tell them what to do. Now, tell me how much sense that makes. And my point here is that if the Democrats or the Republicans three years ago, if there's something that they really want to pass with 51 votes and they don't want the other party to have to play ball, then they can do it. They can do it. They don't need the parliamentarian. They can change the rules. They make the rules. The Senate can change the rules. And the Senate uh, majority leader can just find a new parliamentarian that they like and that interprets the rules differently. And so this whole game of, well, you know, we're limited by uh, the rules and the procedures of the Senate and the parliamentarian tells us what we can do, that's really just a bunch of show. And it's really a way... To shift blame away from themselves, the U.S. Senate and the U.S. Congress, the House of Representatives, they they are pretty much in charge of how their bodies work. And yes, you'd have to have to have to have a majority to change the rules, uh, but the Democrats are in charge here. Uh, they have a majority with the vice president's vote. Uh, so this whole bl- shifting blame to some some. Uh, a bureaucratic hired staffer by the Senate uh, shifting blame to them that we can't do anything because of the parliamentarian. Uh, that's just a big chess game uh, that is meant to distract and deflect blame off of the elected representatives and onto some person that you and I didn't even vote for, called the parliamentarian. So uh, that's a little background of there, a little uh, tidbit of information when you see the headlines that the parliamentarian did this or the parliamentarian did that on this recon- reconciliation bill. That is a little bit of a background there. If the politicians in Washington want to pass a law, want to pass a bill with 51 votes, they can do it. They just got to have the willpower. Same thing if Republicans were in control. Hey, today is Flashback Tuesday, and I've been meaning to get to this for the past few weeks, but this is out of the Western Journal, westernjournal.com. And, you know, we forget how many times we've been tricked (laughs) until we start— pulling out the history books and pulling out the stories about all the tricks that these globalist elites and the Democrats have pulled on us. Well, I'm just going to go through a few of these flashback items uh, to, to to really help bring back our memory on all the shenanigans that have been pulled on the American people. Well, global warming. Uh, global warming has been a a narrative— or was a narrative for, for years under the Al Gore's of the world and other, uh, other leaders and politicians. Well, when, when the globe stopped warming and it actually started cooling, then they changed the narrative to climate change. And the climate, of course, is always changing. Uh, where I live, it changes about four times a year. We have four seasons of the year, uh, so the climate is always changing. So that's one uh, flashback hoax that we've really been sold on is the whole climate change, um, the whole climate change narrative, and that goes along with the um, oceans rising. We've been told the oceans are rising. The oceans are rising. We're all, all we're all going to be underwater. <laughs> well, where is that? Where is that happening? Uh, we've got uh, well-known Democrat politicians that spew the climate change hoax. Uh, they're buying houses on the beach. They're buying mansions in Martha's Vineyard, which is good for them. That's fine. I'd like to have a house on Martha's Vineyard, but uh, don't tell me the oceans are rising. The oceans are rising, and we're all going to be buried underwater uh, when you're buying houses on the beach uh, at the same time you're saying that. Uh, so that's just one flashback, and there's several other in this article um, uh, in the westernjournal.com so pretty, pretty comical there. And we'll post that, uh, Bobby just gave me a heads up, we'll post this uh, article on our podcast page at AFR.net, on our website AFR.net. The headline is, 10 failed global warming predictions that you need to know about. And it goes through all 10, and how we were told, this goes back to the 70s and 80s, um, uh, told the, the world is, is burning, the world is burning, and uh, here we are today. Everything uh, seems to be all right when it comes to the climate, except for we have a terrible politician, terrible uh, president in the White House. That's the problem. That's a political problem, not a climate problem. Uh, Another story I wanted to get to is something I covered last month. Well, we've been told by the Biden administration ever since this whole inflation thing began, pretty much when Biden took office. um, We've been told by the Biden administration and all of his economic officials that. The inflation that we're seeing is transitory. It's transitory, which is another word for temporary. I don't know why they have to use these fancy words. Uh, But we've been told that inflation is temporary. You know, this inflation is just here right now. It'll be gone pretty soon, and we'll never even know it happened. (laughs) Well, I told you folks, I told our listeners, and many of you know this because you probably keep up with it more than I do, but I told you guys that this is not transitory. And we talked to Dan Celia, we've talked to other economists, and I've cited them saying that this is just not transitory. It's just not transitory. This inflation is here to stay. Well, what do you know? Um, The uh, Morgan Stanley annual conference took place. Morgan Stanley is a big financial firm. Uh, They had a conference last week, and everybody that was on the call pretty much warned about inflation and how it's here to stay. Uh, Here's a couple of big names uh, the 3M, 3M's a major company, their chief CFO called inflation unprecedented. Uh, David Petratus, CEO of lockmaker Allegion, Allegion, Um, he said it uh, inflation is not a transitory situation. This inflation is not a transitor- transitory situation. And I've got more classic quotes after the break for you on this topic of inflation. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in a few minutes.
2: Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Statistics show that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and to commit crime. They're nine times more likely to drop out of school and 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Yet the percentage of children born to fatherless homes has skyrocketed in America. As of 2015, 25 percent of white, 53 percent of Hispanic and 73 percent of black babies are born into fatherless homes while scripture teaches that the weight of raising children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord falls upon fathers. Seems like we need a movement that says fatherhood matters.
3: Listen each weekday from five to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
4: This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patti Garibay of American Heritage Girls
2: social media, magazines, television. They inform us of what's the latest, greatest, and trending in today's culture. It's hard to miss. While raising your girl to be godly, you will find yourself at a crossroad between what is trendy and what is righteous. Perhaps your daughter wants to dance, and you're conflicted about which style is appropriate. Or maybe she has her eye on a fancy dress that isn't modest. Often what's trendy isn't what's pleasing to God. In fact, Matthew's Gospel urges us to choose the narrow road that leads to life and avoid the broad or most culturally trendy road which can lead to destruction. Take your tough decisions about your girl to God. He will guide you down the best path.
4: Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com.
3: You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to healthcare. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than three billion dollars of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network, so yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call eight three three forty four Bible. That's eight three three forty four Bible. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net.
1: Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Glad to have you with us today. Hey, by the way, we're live streaming the video. We're live streaming the video on the AFA at the Core Facebook page and the AFA at the Core YouTube channel. Both of those places, we are live streaming the video for today's show, and we also publish uh, the podcast and articles and all kinds of other content uh, on uh, those different platforms. More specifically, uh, Facebook, AFA at the Core Facebook page. Uh, I'm on Twitter, uh, Gab and Gitter, and a couple other platforms, but you can Read all about where you can connect with me on my podcast page at AFR.net. That's basically the central hub where you can get all information about the show. Go to AFR.net, click on AFA at the core podcast, and you can find out all information about the show and where you can follow the show. Uh, Back on this uh, uh, inflation um, article, one of the reasons I bring this up is because not only were we told it was transitory, but... It's this, um, it's this mentality that the establishment and the people in charge, that they're the ones that are always right. And us little people who aren't economic experts, we don't know what we're talking about. And not only do we not know what we're talking about, but we're conspiracy theorists, and we should be censored, shut down, shunned, and, and disappeared from public square. That's what the narrative is out there, and that's the type of environment we live in here in America, Um, and I've got other stories to play into that, but before I move on to those other stories, here's a couple other quotes from this story about uh, many U.S. CEOs at this Morgan Stanley gathering this past week, all talking about how inflation is a problem, and others say inflation is here to stay, which doesn't make it— really inflation anymore, it just becomes the status quo, General Electric's CEO, Larry Kulp, he called inflationary pressure, quote, increasingly getting structural in nature, end quote. Um, In layman terms, (laughs) that means it's here to stay. That's what it means in uh, terms that you and I understand. Uh, Let's see, another quote I have here is from Raytheon Technologies Corporation, their CEO, Greg Hayes. He said, "Quote, I wish I could tell you exactly how long this transitory inflation was going to last." <laughs> oh, wow. We're just 6 months into it, folks, but uh wish I could tell you how longer it's going how much longer it's going to last. Bobby, that means it's here to stay. <laughs> I wonder if Joe is aware of that. <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I mean, we've been preaching that. It it, yeah. it
1: typically doesn't go back backwards. It'll 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 Uh, recede slightly, but for all intents and purposes, the baseline is increased, and that's the takeaway.
0: That's correct. And it it is true that some items have gone down a little bit since their peak months ago, um, but they won't be back to where they were. Uh, They won't be back to where they were. And it does vary per industry, per sector, per what kind of commodities and items you're talking about. But uh, pretty much across the board, especially for a lot of these consumer goods, uh, they are up. Uh, they are up, uh, uh, some up a little bit, some up a lot, uh, but nonetheless, uh, the, the feeling of inflationary pressure by the consumer and by lower-to-middle-income families is there. And all the studies and the research right now from The Economist are showing uh, that inflation is a problem, especially for the people that the Democrats claim to care the most about, middle-to-lower-income families, which I don't really know why we need to be broken down into economic classes anyway. Maybe for studies, but for all practical purposes, we're all Americans. Uh, So uh, every political party in our country should be viewed as being in favor of everybody, Uh, the rich folks and the poor folks. Uh, Our uh, dominating uh, political class should be pushing for the interest of all Americans and not just certain classes of Americans. Another story uh, that I came across this morning, you know, folks, uh, we are— Uh, Now, uh, the media in America have really created a very very, uh, skeptical population. They've created a very skeptical population, and the politicians have also played into this, um, creating a very skeptical population. And for years now, uh, we've been deemed – anybody who raises any questions about the status quo – uh, they're deemed conspiracy theorist. Uh, they're deemed right-wing extremist. Uh, they're deemed all kind of other terms and names and and, and, and defined in different ways. But in many cases, uh, uh, concerns that, that the American public raise and alternative media outlets like American Family Radio, oftentimes the concerns that are raised and the points that are raised end up being correct, end up being accurate. And the media doesn't really do an about face. Instead, they carry on as if it never happened. Well, a story that came out last year during the campaign was the Hunter Biden laptop story. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the son of now president, then former vice president Joe Biden. The story came out and it was released about Hunter Biden's laptop that was at some repair shop in Delaware And it ended up being released to the public. And there was all this damning information on Hunter Biden's laptop, this uh, explicit uh, pictures and just a bunch of very explicit and disgusting content uh, showing that Hunter Biden was not only living this largely, vastly immoral lifestyle, uh, but he was also using his father's position in uh, the U.S. government to curry favor and money from foreign governments and foreign entities. That's documented in a lot of the information that came from the laptop. Well, as soon as that story came out, during the campaign, all the major uh, media conglomerates, all the major talking heads, they all came out and said, this is fake news. This is Russian disinformation, is what they called it. Twitter and Facebook and others, they... Uh, put a little flag on anything related to the Hunter Biden laptop story. They put a little notice that it was was fake news. It was disinformation. It was misinformation. It was Russian talking points. That's what we were told. People couldn't post about it. We couldn't talk about it uh, because it was all Russian disinformation. Well, today, Politico... Every day, Politico publication publishes this thing called a playbook, politico.com forward slash playbook. And they just go through all the news of the day, pretty extensive rundown here. But about three or four pages in, (laughs) they talk about the Hunter Biden emails. And Politico pretty much admits, no, they don't pretty much. They do explicitly admit that the Hunter Biden emails and the Hunter Biden laptop is a real thing. And not only is it a real thing, but much of the content on the laptop has been corroborated by third parties, by independent individuals. For example, people that were in email chains with Hunter Biden, they confirmed to Politico that, yes, that email was sent. I did receive it. And at the very end of this uh, couple paragraphs, Politico says, "While While the leak contains genuine files... It remains possible that fake material has been slipped in without any evidence to back that up. But nonetheless, Politico admits that it is genuine files on the Hunter Biden laptop. And it just it baffles me. It amazes me how major institutions, major organizations, major entities in America— They rush to the defense of the Democrats. They rush to the defense of the Bidens and the Obamas and the Clintons. They rush to their defense. They censor dissenting viewpoints that end up turning out to be true. But what they do is they don't block information and say, we like the Democrats, we like the Biden family, so we're going to block this negative story from being published. No, they don't just do that because that would be truthful that would be accurate as to their intentions instead they label terms like misinformation disinformation fake news they they throw all these terms out there to completely discredit the source of the information and when it turns out that the information is true it's accurate they don't recant they don't publish apologies very often sometimes they do But they carry on, they move on, and they apply that same failed method. It's really not failed. It's actually pretty brilliant and very successful. But they apply this immoral, reprehensible strategy to shut down dissent. They apply that method, and they continue using it moving forward. I mean, this is their playbook. This is the playbook of the ruling class to discredit opposing viewpoints, and discredit truthful information that is being reported by the public to discredit all of that and instead publish fake narratives and fake stories that lift up and prop up the ruling class. Uh, Jumping into another topic is uh, actually where uh, MSNBC is giving the vice president, Kamala Harris, a hard time because of this whole border debacle. And this truly is a crisis going on at the southern border where we've got 15,000 Haitians in Del Rio, Texas, waiting to be processed under a bridge at the border in Del Rio, Texas. This is an absolute disaster. And many people are bringing up, how did these folks get to Texas? Haiti is a long way away. I think over 1,500 miles last time I checked. And there's an ocean, uh, water in between (laughs) Haiti and Mexico. And so these folks got to fly or boat to Mexico and then ride a bus or some type of transformation all the way up to Del Rio, Texas. That's a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of energy. So these folks are being helped somehow by the cartels or by somebody else to get up to Del Rio, Texas. But nonetheless, MSNBC, uh, one of their hosts said, where is she? Talking about Vice President Harris, clip two, let's listen.
4: How about the message from our vice president? Where is she? She was supposed to be in charge of all of these migration issues going to those northern triangle countries. That's obviously not Haiti. That was one of her first international trips with the message. Do not come here illegally. People aren't listening. What is she saying now? Well, we haven't heard a lot from the vice president. Of course, you point out she was focused on those Northern Triangle countries. A lot of her work was in Guatemala, working with that government. A lot of the diplomacy, which is what the vice president was focused on, was with Mexico. And essentially what we're seeing now is a breakdown of that work with Mexico. Mexico for a while was stopping a lot of migration coming from Guatemala into Mexico, keeping people from ever even reaching the U.S. border. But now Mexico became so overwhelmed with this particular migrant surge that they were beyond capacity. And we were seeing Mexico essentially give up in some cases, just allow buses through their country to the U.S. border, which is how so many people got here so
0: quickly. Well, we don't answer the question. The uh, host there said, where is the vice president? And the uh, commentator or the reporter for MSNBC doesn't answer the question. And moves on to start rambling about some other information. Um, but where is Vice President Harris? I mean, this was her thing. This was her baby. This was her puppy. She was supposed to be handling the border crisis. Uh, all she did was a trip or two and some Zoom calls with these foreign leaders. And, and 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 let me let me make this clear: these folks do not respect us. These foreign leaders from South Central American countries, they do not respect us. They do not. Um, we're we're the laughing stock of the world. We have a border, and, and this is what is so baffling to me uh, that we have this border that's really not a border. And, and and the one person, Donald J. Trump, who talked about building a wall, and that was like a novel idea, and but not a novel idea. I mean, it's like common sense. Hey, let's build a physical barrier between the two countries. Mm, wow. It's like other people have done that in history before. (laughs) Yes, virtually every country does that. Um, But Donald Trump ran on building this wall. And to be honest with you, that's pretty much the only solution here, folks. Building a physical barrier is virtually the only plausible, actionable, viable solution to this problem Of foreign people that aren't American citizens, foreigners, simply walking across our border. And once they're here, they are here. I mean, yes, there are rare circumstances where we deport individuals. But from what I'm reading and what's been the status quo for years down there is once you get here, Oh, you're here. You're here for months, if not years, until you get some court date that you don't even have to show up to. And then if you get pulled over for a DUI or no tag or no license or whatever, well, the local police aren't going to, they don't have the authority to deport you. And when they call Biden's ICE department, they're MIA. They're nowhere to be found. Instead, they're taking diversity training courses. (laughs) But the wall, I mean, that is it. Because what's happening right there in Texas, in Del Rio, and across the southern border, is people are simply walking across the border. I mean, it's not a fancy process. It's walking across the border. And then they get processed, and then they get given a date. Uh, They're given a date to show up in court, and that's it. They're here. They're in America. And if they show up for court or not, who really cares? Who's going to track them down? Nobody. And so until you have a physical barrier... I mean, a big physical barrier that prevents them from stepping foot in the U.S. homeland. Until you have that, you can do other things. You can apply band-aids. Yes, you can deport. You can have these other things that do help. But the physical border wall is the only permanent solution. And we have one political class in Washington, D.C. called the Democrats, and they're vehemently opposed to the wall. And then you got the Republicans who won't fight for the wall. So we need a border wall and maybe we can just have Donald J. Trump in 2025 to get us the border wall. We'll see. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in a few minutes. The five hard realities that I learned as a new Christian one was just because someone says that they are a Christian doesn't mean that they will always act like that. Hard Realities Concerning Following Christ, an article by Wesley Wildman. We make mistakes or have setbacks or failures or even have sin in our own lives, and so sometimes we don't always live up to that standard of that goal of being like Christ. To read Wesley's article,
1: visit afa.net forward slash the stand. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective.
4: Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building, and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their
1: very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net.
0: Hi, my name's Eric. And I'm Kendra. And we have been married a little over two years now. Honestly, I think the the most challenging part of our marriage so far, we're right in the middle of it. We're trying to have kids right now. I have a spinal cord injury, so that makes things a little more difficult. And um, I just am, am dealing with some issues with infertility. The difficulty is on my end. But it's our infertility. But it is our, yeah. Because we're one right. now. <laughs> and I I think what's really helped us through this is keeping Jesus at the center Mm -hmm. of it all and knowing that anything that causes you to lean and depend on Jesus more is actually a blessing. Yes, it's heartening to to know that I have someone who's, she's on my team.
1: Tune into By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. Hurricane Ida is one of the strongest hurricanes to hit Louisiana to date. Thousands are in need of hope and help, so 8 Days of Hope is headed to Louisiana to help them begin rebuilding their lives. If you're local to the area or if you can travel, you're very welcome to join. But if you can't do that, you're still able to help through your prayers and donations. To sign up as a volunteer or to donate, go to 8daysofhope.com. 8daysofhope.com. AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American
3: family radio.
0: Welcome back to AFA at the core here on the American family radio network. Hey, we've got thousands of listeners across the country and states all across the country. We got folks listening on the world wide web uh, that are in all 50 states around the world. Uh, so we really appreciate our listeners. And speaking to our listeners out there, we're going to have our fall share-a-thon coming up in just a few weeks. October uh, thirteen through fifteen is the are the dates for our fall share-a-thon. And so stay tuned for that. Uh, we would love to have you call into our share-a-thon, donate to our work, so that we can continue broadcasting all across the country and all around the world. So that's coming up in October. Mid October is our fall. Sheraton. So stay tuned for that. One other story on the border before we move into uh, another, a uh, uh, pretty pretty big story that's breaking today. Uh, a fella by the name of Sawyer Hackett. Uh, he runs uh, a, a, an entity that I don't have the name of in front of me, but he published. He, he's a Democrat, and he published a tweet, uh, a picture from the Associated Press. On uh, customs and border protection officers in um, the Del Rio area, they were riding horseback. the The customs and border patrol officers were riding horseback, patrolling uh, the border in, in uh, Del Rio, Texas. And he published this picture of the one of the officers chasing down a Haitian illegal immigrant at the border i mean we we assume he's from haiti (laughs) how do we know (laughs) that's a question i ask myself when i start saying these things like i know he's from haiti uh nobody knows (laughs) where he's from unless we got him in some database somewhere uh but this is someone we suspect to be from haiti and uh, here is the tweet from this fellow named sawyer hackett Border patrol is mounted on horseback, rounding up Haitian refugees with whips. This is unfathomable cruelty towards people fleeing disaster and political ruin. By the way, that disaster and political ruin explains 75% of the world. The administration must stop this. Um, And then he put the two pictures of the officer on horseback chasing the illegal immigrant. And remember, he claims that he's that, that the immigrants, the illegal immigrants, are being chased with whips. All right, so that's the narrative, that's the picture, allegedly. <laughs> As it turns out, everybody gets all the left gets all riled up about this. And it turns out to be completely fake news. It turns out to be a complete hoax. There there was no whip. I mean, it's not like there was a whip, but he wasn't using it, yada, yada, yada. There was no whip. It was the reins for the horse. (laughs) And Bobby, the (laughs) folks out there that own horses and they ride horses, they're laughing right now. They get it. It was the reins that are used to steer, to guide the horse. Right,
1: right. (laughs) And a little background on Surya Hackett. He's the executive director of Julian Castro's People First Future Pack.
0: Ah, Democrat so pack there, I, exactly right. And that's a that's a congressman out of Texas, mm-hmm. by the way. Uh, well, before the Customs and Border Protection Office and the uh, National Fraternal Order of Police could debunk the hoax, before they could debunk the hoax, this was already out there. And that's this is the problem with a lot of our media outlets is they publish stuff without fact checking it, without corroborating it. They get everybody stirred up, everybody angry. Investigations have begun (laughs) based on a falsehood. Okay, so before the hoax could be debunked, which took about an hour for it to be debunked, before the hoax could be debunked, here is what Politico put out. U.S. Customs and Border Protection's Office of Professional Responsibility has launched a formal investigation into Border Patrol agents after footage emerged showing them on horseback. Menacingly using what appeared to be whips on migrants sinking asylum along the U.S.-Mexico border. Not menacingly. I mean, the guy was carrying lunch boxes, and he never <laughs> spilled a drop. It couldn't <laughs> have been that bad. You can't make a good point, Bobby. We can't make good points. Um, the other other statement was put out by Pelosi. Here's here's Nancy Pelosi's statement. Reports of the mistreatment of Haitian migrants fleeing violence and devastation from natural disasters are deeply troubling including the inappropriate use of what appear to be whips by border patrol officers on horseback to intimidate migrants, Pelosi said. Jen Psaki felt like she had to weigh in at the White House press briefing yesterday. She said, well, I don't have the full context, meaning you have no context.
4: Then be quiet.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Instead, she goes on to say, I can't imagine what context would make that appropriate. (laughs) Well, as it turns out, as I said, it wasn't a whip. It was the reins for the horse uh, that were flopping beside the horse because the agent lost control of the reins. (laughs) And fake news was out there. The hoax was published, and it was circulating, and everybody was riled up. And who knows how many people read the fake story, believed the fake story, got infuriated by the fake story, but never went back to find out that it was a hoax. We'll never know. Thousands, I would, I would venture to say, thousands of people read the headline, read the fake story, believed the hoax, and they're probably still believing it today, because they didn't go back to make sure that the correction was in place. Instead, they believed it, they moved on, and uh, they'll, they'll have that in their mind that our agents are using whips on the southern border, even though that's a complete hoax. Hey, Project Veritas does excellent work. <clears throat> publishing all kinds of investigative journalism reports. And uh, they got in contact with and published a report based on a registered nurse in Arizona at at the local Indian, this is a story out of Phoenix, Arizona, and they got undercover video and interviewed a registered nurse at the local Indian medical center around Phoenix, Arizona. And this is a pretty extensive investigative report. This is only part one. Part two is coming later by Project Veritas. But this nurse, she goes or she doesn't go by her name is Jody O'Malley. She's now a whistleblower with the federal government. Uh, she worked with the U.S. Health and Human Services Department, which was running this medical facility in Arizona. Well, she blew the whistle. She came out uh, and interviewed and talked to Project Veritas about her experiences working in this HHS-run hospital in Arizona. And this first clip we're going to play is Miss O'Malley, Jody O'Malley, the nurse, the registered nurse, uh, talking about how this hospital run by HHS has no protocol in place for reporting adverse events as it relates to the COVID jab. Clip three, let's listen.
4: It's a shame they're not treating people. I know. But they're <laughs> supposed to, like they should. And it, I think they want people to die. And how many of you seen them that have gotten vaccinated here? Is that yeah. sick and yeah. side effects? A lot. A lot? Have you seen it too? Yeah. Yes, so and i he writing the Bears report? Nobody, because it takes over a half an hour to write.
2: Why? Right. The, the CDC website, it says, that you're required to report adverse events following vaccinations. Is there a policy at the hospital for reporting these complications? No. There has
4: never been any directive sent out on reporting. With this vaccine, we are in stage three clinical trials. Normally, stage three clinical trials is where you gather your data. What the responsibility on everyone is, is to gather that data and report it. And if we're not gathering that data and reporting it, then how are we going to say that this is safe and approved for use?
0: Well, that's the, uh, the registered nurse talking to Project Veritas saying the first part of the clip was her and another nurse talking about how they've seen, quote, a lot of patients in the hospital due to adverse events from the vaccine. Adverse reactions due to the vaccine. They've said they've seen, quote, a lot of that. Well, then uh, uh, Project Veritas goes on to say to ask the nurse, are you reporting this to the VAERS database, the uh, Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, set up by our own federal government? Are you guys reporting this? She says, no, absolutely not. One of the nurses has heard in the clip saying it takes 30 minutes to fill out the form. So nobody's filling out the forms based on these adverse events. The nurse goes on to say that the hospital has no protocol in place that directs nurses and doctors to file these reports to the VAERS database when adverse events occur. And that brings us to the question of how many people have really had adverse events. Right now, the VAERS database is showing over 500,000 adverse events due to the shot in their database to date. But if you take this anecdotal story out of Arizona and you apply it to some hospitals around the country, the question is, how many hospitals simply aren't reporting anything to the VAERS database? How many hospitals in the country have no uh, protocol in place that require their doctors and their nurses to report vaccine adverse events to the VAERS database. And I don't know that because we don't have quality control here. Yeah, the, the FDA says you're supposed to, but are they? This hospital's not. This hospital, run by our own Department of Health and Human Services, they're not reporting any adverse events to the VARS database. That is concerning. That is troubling. The second clip we're going to play here is of the same nurse who, Uh, Jody O'Malley from Arizona she's a registered nurse whistleblower now uh, that used to work uh, for the HHS at this uh, Indian Hospital Indian Medical Clinic in Arizona and in this clip she is talking about one of her co-workers a a, a nurse a fellow nurse who was coerced to get the shot and several weeks later passed away clip 4 let's listen
2: why are you choosing to blow the whistle it's not What a lot of people would do, they're scared, they're afraid. What prompted
4: me to do this was when I was house supervisor one night and one of my coworkers had taken the vaccine and she didn't want to. She had went throughout this entire pandemic working in the intensive care unit, pretty much was a COVID unit. It's really sad. She had just come back from surgery from leave two weeks ago, a little over two weeks. And then, got her first dose of vaccine after surviving this entire pandemic. She didn't want to take it. She didn't want to take it because of her religious beliefs. And she was coerced into taking it. And it's like, nobody, nobody should have to decide between their livelihood, being a part of the team in the hospital, or take the vaccine.
0: Well, that's the last clip from this uh, part one of Project Veritas investigative reporting. When it re- when it comes to this whistleblower out of Arizona, and she's saying that her coworker, who'd worked in the COVID wing since the beginning of this pandemic for well over a year, uh, going on going on two years will be uh, early 2022, <clears throat> and she had she had held up fine working in the COVID wing, working in the critical care unit, basically with COVID patients all the time. She had done this for the entirety of the pandemic and been fine. Well, they, they they coerce her to get the jab and then two to three weeks later, she's dead. Having all kind of complications in her own hospital that she used to work. And that's what the registered nurse was outlining there, which is why she was emotional and crying. And she said, this is what caused me to come forth and talk to Project Veritas. Uh, Another clip I want to play, not related to this story, but on the same topic, is out of the FDA, one of the FDA advisory council or committee meetings that was published. It was a public hearing. It lasted about eight hours. It took place on September 17th. One of the uh, uh, committee members on this advisory committee, Dr. Joseph Freeman, he's an emergency medicine physician in New Orleans. He spoke here for about 50 seconds. This is a 50-second clip. But here he's talking about how we don't have enough data, talking about the doctors and the scientists. They don't have enough data to confidently tell the public that these shots are safe and effective. Clip five, let's listen.
2: The former FDA commissioner said the original premise of the vaccine was to reduce death and hospitalizations. And that was the data that came out of the initial clinical trials, except as you all know very well, and unfortunately, so did my nurse, the initial clinical trials did not find a reduction in death or hospitalizations, likely because they were inadequately powered. Yet the former commissioner is correct that the initial trials should have been powered to find a reduction in hospitalization. Next slide, please. We need your help on the front lines to stop vaccine hesitancy. Demand the booster trials are large enough to find a reduction in hospitalization. Without this data, we, the medical establishment, cannot confidently call out anti-COVID vaccine activists who publicly claim the vaccines harm more than they save, especially in the young and healthy. The fact that we do not have the clinical evidence to say these activists are wrong should terrify us all.
0: The fact we do not have the clinical evidence to say these activists, talking about people who are hesitant to take the jab, that these activists are wrong should terrify us all. That is an FDA advisory committee member, Dr. Joseph Freeman, an emergency medicine physician in New Orleans, speaking to the FDA. That right there may be one of the reasons that the FDA did not approve the booster plan by the Biden administration just this past week. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. We'll see you next time.
3: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast